Hey, welcome everybody. Now, good to see you. You guys doing good? In good mood? Anybody watch your Badger game? Yeah, it's good, wasn't it? Yeah. Good team, having a good year. And uh, we're really glad uh, that you're here with us. Uh, good to be together with you. One year ago, we began this amazing journey called Unfinished, the biggest initiative that we've ever taken, that we've ever taken on as a, as a church. And today's a big day because we've made it to the halfway point of Unfinished, this two-year initiative. And this is Commitment Weekend. That's why um, Charity had you uh, pick up the commitment cards and why we had a prayer time over those. And if you haven't picked up a, a commitment card, there should be one on your, on your chair or in the seat back in, in front of you. And as you look at this card, um, in about, about 20 minutes, I'm going to ask everybody to go ahead and, and fill this out. Now, some of you are new to River Glen, and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be part of this, of this uh, mission. And I want to encourage you to just go ahead and take a step of faith, because when you step out in faith and grow in generosity, God's going to work in your life more powerfully. And I want, I want you to experience that. And I want you to be part of how God is going to work through us together as a church. And then there are some of us, really a whole bunch of us, that made unfinished commitments a year ago. And for some of us, I know the journey's not been easy. You've had some things happen that you didn't really anticipate, that you didn't expect. And I want to I challenge you today. Let's determine, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to finish strong. And then others of us made unfinished commitments. And maybe in the last 12 months, we've had an increase in finances, maybe an increase in, in faith. Maybe God's been stirring. And we now look at the number that we uh, put on here last year, and we say, well, that was a stretch then. That's not really a sacrifice now. And God's actually calling you to a bigger number. And that's what it means for you to declare yourself unfinished today. So hold on to that card and be thinking about that. Now, it may be Commitment Weekend. But commitments are not easy. I mean, it, they involve risk and, and fear. And so before we go further, I thought I would talk about a, a common misconception. We have this misconception that some people are risk takers and some people are not. Now, some people have a personality that naturally enjoys risk taking. Some of us maybe are risk lovers. And then some of us have a personality that is more averse. We're more risk of, of, averse. But here's my point. We may have different personalities, but it's a misconception to say that some people are risk takers and some are not. Because every day from the moment we get out of bed, every one of us takes risk. For example, did you know just getting out of bed is dangerous? Every year, over a half million people go to the emergency room for injuries sustained from getting out of bed or falling out of bed. Yeah, getting out of bed is dangerous. Another 40,000 people a year are injured by a toilet. Now, I don't really know how you can get injured by a toilet. But apparently the toilet is risky. And this year, 1,932,000 people will get injured mowing the lawn, which is why I do it as infrequently as possible. It's a safety precaution at our house. But everyday stuff that we do around our home is risky. I'll never forget a few years ago, I thought I'd help out in the kitchen, and I tried cutting up a mango. That's not a good idea. And I cut my finger. I couldn't get it to stop bleeding. I felt embarrassed, but I had to go to the urgent care where they glued my finger together. But I felt better when I read that every year 460,000 people injure themselves with a kitchen knife. And so I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. All of us are risk takers. Every single one of us takes a risk. Larry Loudon has spent 20 years studying risk management. And uh, take a look at what he says. He says, everything's risky. If you're looking mainly for safety, you chose the wrong species. Because all of us, whether we want it or not, we all take risk. And did you know this, that risk taking is also an everyday part 
of following Jesus. Do you know what the biblical word is for taking a risk for the right reason? It's the word faith. And the word faith is huge in, in the Bible. Think about stories in the Bible that involve risk. I mean, there's so many. Noah building the ark. Moses parting the Red Sea. It, that took a lot of faith. But sometimes I think we hear these stories so, so often they become familiar to us. For example, the story of David and Goliath. Every time we hear that story, David beats Goliath, right? But we've got to go back and we've got to remember that when David stepped onto that battlefield, he didn't know how the story would end. And Goliath wasn't dead until he was dead. That took a lot of faith. In fact, I can't think of a story in the Bible where God gave someone an assignment that didn't involve some risk and faith. Here's how scripture defines faith. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And then on down a couple verses later, it says, look at this. It is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without taking risk because real faith is risky faith. And so today we're finishing up this series called Stories of Unfinished. We've unpacked stories from the New Testament book of Philippians to encourage us and inspire us and nourish us and even challenge us on this unfinished journey. And today we come to chapter four where we read about how the Philippians, um, the followers of Jesus in this church in the city of Philippi that Paul started, the Philippians took a huge risk in the area of, of finances and generosity. I've heard it said that the church in Philippi was the most generous church in the entire New Testament. Let's pick it up in, in verse 14. Paul says, yet it was good of you uh, to share in my troubles. Uh, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, that's Greece, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid more than once when I was in need. In other words, Paul says to the Philippians, nobody else supported me financially. Nobody else supported the work of God financially except you. In fact, their generosity moved Paul so much that Paul actually brags about them to other churches. Look at what he says here to the Corinthian church. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a, of a severe trial. Look at this. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, those two, those two seem like opposites. They don't seem like they go together, joy and poverty, but they come together and look at the result. Welled up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So here's what Paul says about the Philippian church. He says, they had nothing. They were so broke and so poor, I told them not to give anything. But they pleaded with me to take up an offering. They begged me to receive an offering. You know what's amazing about this? I mean, they looked forward to the offering. They got excited about uh, giving. You know, we don't really have a lot of traditions around River Glen. If you've been attending here for a while, you probably, real, you probably know that. We don't have a lot of traditions. But we've, we've had one that's caught on. Uh, over the years, and I think it's good. We like to clap, you know, in the, in the services. You know, after a song, you did that today. After a song, you know, uh, people clap. Sometimes after a video, uh, people clap. Uh, when we have a guest speaker and I'm gone, right, people clap about, about that. Uh, when we do baptisms, oh, man, baptisms are really exciting, and, and people always 
uh, clap. But typically when somebody says, uh, we're going to receive an offering, <laughs> what's our reaction? Oh, look at the time. Uh, I need to go get the kids. Game's starting soon. I need to get going. I mean, typically it's not, it's not, it's not the most exciting part of the service. But it was for the church in Philippi. They looked forward to it. I picture them exploding with applause because they, they, they were so passionate and excited and exciting about giving. They couldn't wait to give. And so I want to share with you a few reasons why the, why the Philippians got so excited about generosity, hopefully to inspire us, because God has put these amazing opportunities in front of our church to reach more people for Jesus. And I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today to step out in faith, take a risk, and do something great for God. Uh, one reason we can celebrate uh, generosity is uh, because it makes God smile. You know, I think we have a tendency sometimes to think about how our offerings help other people, serve needs in the community, and that's important. That's hugely important. But I love the picture Paul paints in verse 18 about how our generosity affects God in a very personal way. Paul writes, I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Look at this. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul uses imagery here from the Old Testament book of Exodus in chapter 30 where um, God instructs the priest to build an altar and to burn sweet-smelling incense 24 hours a day. And Paul says, every time we open our, our hearts and we open our hands and we open our, our wallets, maybe a, a modern translation would be we open the giving app on our, on our smartphone, every time... We give to help someone. Every time we give to advance God's work, we reignite the altar and a sweet fragrance rises heavenward. And it is pleasing to God. It gladdens God's heart um, and it makes him his smile. It's like when you walk into, in, in, into the house and you smell some fresh, fresh baked bread. Ah. Or, or maybe some fresh cut flowers and you go, oh, that smells so good. When we give generously a sweet fragrance, rises heavenward. And God says the aroma is good and, and pleasing. It makes him smile and brings him joy. I can think of several reasons why God smiles. One reason is because God knows that every single time that we give, we become a little bit more like Jesus. It transforms our heart. And second, a second reason I think it makes God smile, God's a parent. Those of you that are parents, how do you feel when you see your, parent, when you see your child give to one another or you see your child Give to God's, God's work. Don't you feel proud? That's my boy. That's my girl. And that's how God feels. And when we give generously, when you give generously, you're saying, God, I'm counting on you. God, I'm trusting you to replace this as you see fit. You're stepping out in faith. And that's very pleasing to God. In a few minutes, we're going to have the opportunity to make our, our commitments to unfinished. And I want you to remember, this isn't just horizontal, okay, to help other people. That's important. This is vertical. This is part of our worship to God. Giving is God's love language. It's going to be a sweet aroma that pleases him. And when God smiles, it brings us joy too. All right, here's another reason why the Philippians gave so generously and why we can celebrate generosity too, because God made an amazing promise. You know, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, I think it's one of the greatest promises in the entire Bible. It is so encompassing. Take a look at this promise in verse 19. Paul says, God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an amazing uh, verse? 
God will meet all your needs. Now, it may not be all your wants, may not be everything on your wish list, but God will meet all your needs. This is, this is financial needs, this is physical needs, this is emotional needs, this is spiritual needs. God will meet all your, all your needs. In fact, this promise is so powerful. I want you to say it out loud with me so that it just gets embedded in our minds. It just gets stuck in our, in our minds, all right? So re- repeat this uh, with me. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All right, one more time. Ready? God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great promise? God's going to take care of us no matter what happens. He promises to meet all our needs. But I have to tell you something that you may not like. That's a great promise. But it's not for everyone. I mean, God's love for everyone. God's mercy for everyone. God's grace for everyone. But this promise has a premise. There's a premise that comes before this promise. Some people like to just skip over the premise and go right to the promise. But the premise is in verses 14 through 18 where it says the Philippians gave generously to God by supporting Paul's ministry. And really much of this letter that we call the book of Philippians, you know what it really is, is it's a thank you letter from Paul to the Philippians for their generous offerings. Paul says to them, because you have generously given to God's work, you, you, you practice the premise, and now God promises to meet all your needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus. You know, if you think about that, I mean, this takes the worry and the fear out of it because if you practice the premise, you have the promise. And God doesn't do the, you know, the bare minimum you know, to meet our needs. God is a God of abundance who, who loves to provide for the needs of his, his children in surprising and plentiful ways. And then Paul gives a third reason to celebrate generosity. In verse 17, Paul says, uh, not that I'm looking for a gift. Next slide. But I'm looking for what may be, look at this, credited to your account. He's talking about how God tracks your generosity, and he credits your account in heaven. And so the uh, third reason we celebrate generosity is because living for later brings joy now. See, the Philippians understood something that, that we may not understand, or maybe we uh, forget or miss, and it's, the, it's this. Our giving isn't just about this life. It's connected to the next life. That's why Paul told the Philippians, God credits your account in, in heaven. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust uh, do not, uh, do not uh, destroy and the stock market never crashes and where thieves uh, do not break in and steal. He's saying, you might think that when you give something away or you give your money because you follow Jesus that you're missing out, that you're losing out. But Jesus says, no, 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 it's wise It is brilliant to give in this life because it determines your treasure in the next life. And the treasures in heaven are going to last a whole lot longer. Every time you're generous toward other people, every time you're generous toward God, Paul says it is credited to your account in heaven. Now, I know this is kind of hard for us to understand, and so I brought along a a rope to uh, help me uh, illustrate. And uh, just imagine this rope. I don't know if you can see it, but it's all over the stage here. Uh, imagine this rope represents your life, okay, your existence. This rope is a timeline of your existence, okay? And this little, this little red part right here, this is uh, your life 
on this earth. Okay, right here is your birth and you're in diapers and then you go to school and you get braces and then you get uh, married here, okay, and then you, uh, then you get a job and then you have kids and uh, they, get, they get braces and they go to college and you pay for some of that. And then maybe you have several you know, jobs during this period of time and then you retire, maybe you go to Florida, play golf, drive around with your blinker, your turn signal um, on. And, uh, you know, and then you die, right? And, and that's about how long it, it lasts. And so this red part, this is your life on earth. And this white part here, uh, it goes all the way over here. This is eternity. And, and look, how, look how long this is. It, it just goes on and on all the way off the stage. And it keeps going on and on for millions and millions and millions of, of years. Now let me ask you, uh, which part of this rope do you spend the majority of your time and your energy and your worry and your money strategizing on? Is it, is it the little red part or is it the white part? It just goes on and on. The truth is many people spend every nickel and every moment of every day focused on the red part. You know, some of us, we save, save, save so that in the future we can enjoy you know, the red part. Some of us spend, spend, spend so, so, so that we maximize our enjoyment in the red part. It's all about the red part in our lives. But there is just so much more, you know, that some people never think about and they never invest in and they never store up treasure for. Think about it this way. Let's imagine that you go on a trip and you stay in a hotel room for two nights and you get into your hotel room and you look at it and you go, you know what, I, I need to change some things in the uh, hotel room. And so you decide, oh, that bed's too small. And so you go and you, 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 you purchase a bed and get that delivered. You look at the TV, that's, that's a small TV. You go to Best Buy and you find a 60-inch plasma and you get that set up. And then you look at the carpeting, you hate the color. And so you get new carpeting installed. You go into the bathroom, the countertops are not granite. And so you get those uh, replaced. Now, if you saw, if someone saw you do all that, or if you saw somebody do all that, you know, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say to them, why are you spending so much money on a place that you're not going to stay very long? But that, that's how many people live their lives. It's all about the red part. You know, this red part feels like forever, but it's, it's, only, it's only just a little part. And the scripture says that by giving generously in this life, we invest in our eternity and we also invest in other people's eternity. And that's why living for later, okay, brings joy to the red part. It brings life and joy to the, to the red part. So how do we do this? How do we live for later? How do we give like the Philippians and enjoy all these, all these promises from God now and forever? Well, I find the people who live a generous life have learned to practice what have been called the four Ps of generosity. And what's great about these is they're helpful to you wherever you are on your journey. The first one is planned generosity because it's not accidental or incidental. You don't drift into it. It's intentional. Most generous people have predecided, and they follow a plan. Second is priority generosity because we can give in one of two ways. We can, we can pay all our bills and then give to God or we can give to God first and then we live on the leftovers. Scripture has a name for giving to God first. The scripture calls giving to God first, giving him our first fruits. You say, God, I'm gonna give to you first and then I'm gonna trust you to meet the rest 
of my needs. And this will help you deal with fear because you're going to experience that God is a God of abundance who loves to provide for the needs of his uh, children. And then third is proportional generosity because the Bible talks more about proportions than amounts. In other words, as your life situation changes and grows, your, your generosity should grow with it. That's why, that's why many followers of Jesus uh, give a portion of their income called a tithe. Tithe is actually, it's a mathematical term. It just means a tenth. It means 10%. It's a proportion or percentage rather than an amount. Look at what scripture says about it. It's not that God's broke. God's doing fine. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And then fourth is progressive generosity because if we think that we've arrived, if we think that we have reached our peak in this area of generosity, it can become a source of pride in our lives. That's why Jesus calls us to progressive generosity where we surrender our lives. We go beyond the tithe and we we give whatever Jesus wants us to give. We make our life a blank check for God. And that's what Unfinished is is about. We've had many individuals in our church and and many couples in our church step out in faith and grow in this area of of generosity. And I want you to hear from uh, one of those couples. Take a look at the screens. Uh, So my name is Ryan Ford and we have been coming to River Glen for five years, I think. And uh, I personally serve in the 3K with my wife, Ashley. I serve in Kid Life in the threes and I also do SLIFE. And then this summer we volunteered um, on Saturday nights whenever we could for the color run and things like that. After coming here for so long, we just decided that you know, it's such a great church and, you know, we love everything about it. And so it's, we just felt like, you know, we needed to do something, whatever we could to support it and, and to give back, I think, was probably our biggest reason. Having three kids and seeing what the church goes above and beyond to do um, with our kids and how far they've come in their relationship with God and um, their belief in Jesus. And my son got baptized this summer and he loves God. Um, The church does so much for him that we want to help further that and to spread that to other kids. So we were actually really excited to make our unfinished commitment. Um, And we kind of just went out there and chose a number um, that was well above where we were giving. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just kind of trusted that two years from now we would be in a position to (laughs) have fulfilled it and all of a sudden like things are happening where we're giving more than we had even expected Um, so we're on track to hit our goal but exceed it right and I think a big reason why is just you know since we started giving I would say we've been blessed in so many ways where you know I would say we worry much less about money now than we did when we before we started tithing so for us, I feel like we're just so lucky and so blessed since we started doing it that I would never even consider now going back to before and not giving 10%. So, But I would say not just blessed financially. <coughs> right. I think what we've also learned from it, and it's trickled down to our kids, is that we need less and we've started appreciating other things as opposed to just buying things because sure. we've cut so much of it out and we realized how unnecessary it all was. Sure. Um, and I think we've 
become happier. Sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. And even giving, and the kids will—they'll get money, and they'll say, "This is for church." And right. to see already at such a young age that they're learning that, right, is amazing. Right. And so to be that example to them. Sure. I think for me, the the biggest part of Unfinished that has changed us and that excites me is just the peace that comes with reprioritizing and you know putting God first putting what God wants us to do first you know when you make that decision to do that it just changes your outlook on everything it changes your outlook on work it changes your outlook on money it changes your outlook on everything you know you don't look at money as the purpose you look at it as a tool um, and so it, it doesn't affect your happiness the same way like your happiness is found in God now. And so you just don't go to bed at night worrying about these different things because you know that God is watching out for you, you know? And it, we've been at peace. It's just, it's been so much easier for us, I would and say. We're happier. We're happier. Um, just, I would say, in every area of our life, it just, it's, it takes away the stress so much, you know? Um, and so it's been really, it's made a huge impact on us, I would say, um, more than anything else just reprioritizing and putting God first. Yeah, that's Ryan and Ashley. Let's give them a hand for sharing their story. Isn't that great? Love hearing that. I've prayed that today would be a significant moment for our church and for every one of you uh, here. In a moment, I'm going to ask all of you to come forward and to put your commitment card in one of these baskets that we have on the front of the, the stage and make our commitments uh, together. Even if you filled out a commitment card last year, we want you to do that again, reaffirming your commitment. Uh, but before you come forward, I want to ask you to do me a favor and uh, grab that commitment card, okay? And I want to just walk us uh, through it together. As you look at the card, I want you to remember just a couple things. First of all, this really matters to God. You know, this is how we declare that we are unfinished before him and we want him to work in and through our lives. This matters to God. It's part of our relationship with him. And then second, this matters. This really matters to people who live in Waukesha and Milwaukee and all around the world because unfinished is going to reach more people for Jesus. Now, if this is your first commitment to unfinished, go ahead and open up the card. And you can go ahead and check that first box there. And in the blank... Uh, I, I want you to put your, your total uh, commitment to, to uh, unfinished for the next 12 uh, months. Now, I want you to know that this commitment is your total giving to River Glen. Okay, so in the blank, you, put, you take the total of what you were already planning to give the next year to River Glen, and then you add to that an increase for unfinished, and then you, you write the grand total uh, right there in that, in that box. And if you want some help, you can flip it over. There's a, there's a gift chart. On the back, I love that gift chart to challenge you and inspire you. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a number there that God is, is challenging you to do that you never thought was possible. Maybe that's the next step that God wants you to take on your unfinished uh, journey. One of the ways that I use the uh, gift chart is I take a look at it and I, I go to where I am right now in my giving to River Glen, my current level of giving to River Glen, and then I just ask and I pray and say, uh, what would it look like for me to really surrender in my life to Jesus more and uh, do what he wants to do in, in my life. For those of you making a first-time commitment to Unfinished, I'm really excited uh, for you. I, I can't wait to see what God 
has in store for you and what God's going to do in your life. I remember a year ago, Marnie and I, when we made our commitment, it was a stretch for us. But I will tell you that we have never regretted it for one second. I mean, God has come through in ways that have gone beyond what we, what we imagined uh, as we've been faithful to him in the commitment uh, that we made. And so uh, let's give a hand to those people who are going to make a first-time uh, commitment. Would you join me? Let's show, let's show some appreciation and encouragement uh, to people making a first-time commitment to unfinished. And then for those of us who made a commitment to Unfinished uh, last year, uh, go down to where it says, I'm already part of Unfinished. And then it says, my current two-year commitment. And there's a box there. You can go ahead and write your uh, original commitment there. And if you don't remember it, you can estimate it. We've got it in our records. And then some of you are going to check that first box there to finish strong. And, and, and that's going to be a big step a really important step for you to take today because there's been some things that have happened in this, this last year that, that you didn't anticipate. And it would just be a really big faith step for you today to just go ahead and check that box and choose to finish your commitment strong. And then for some of us, maybe you've sensed God stirring in your life, God challenging you to increase your commitment. You're going to go ahead and check that second box. Perhaps you're choosing to uh, no longer give out of the excess Maybe you've been giving at what you thought was a, a high a level, but today you're deciding that to truly declare that you're unfinished, that, that God is, is calling you to an even greater sacrifice. For some of us, that might mean, might mean giving up something that matters to us for something that matters more to God. I want to challenge several of you in this, and I want you to know, Marnie and I, uh, we're in this with you. It's my prayer that everybody in the room, in these next few moments, you'll just open your card up, and, and you'll open your heart up and just say, uh, God, it's all yours. God, would you tell me what you want me to do? That's what it means, I think, to declare ourselves unfinished before him. And that's what God is asking of us today. As we prepare to make our commitments, the, the band's going to play. And uh, we're going to give you just a few moments right now to pray and reflect and to uh, Write your commitment down. And uh, if you're married, feel free to talk with your spouse. But uh, please stay seated. I'll come back up in a minute and I'll give us further instructions.